Oh, good morning, everybody. This is a, this is a rich morning for us together. And uh, I want to share a meditation this morning on one of the most amazing psalms in the Scripture. And that's, that's a bold statement, but Psalm 23 is where we're at this morning. But uh, I hope that you're following us through. I hope you're keeping calm in the Psalms. Uh, if, you, if you've missed last week, uh, grab one of these cards down there. We're walking through 28 hand-picked Psalms based around a whole theme of trusting, wisdom, lament, praise. So it's really good this time of year to be focused on Jesus and uh, instead of being frantically caught up in life and how it all works. So, so this will really help you. And then uh, there's a QR code to the LifeBuild Academy where you can chat and you can share your thoughts uh, and your observations about what, what you're feeling. So get involved. Uh, Psalms are one of the, the richest things that you can do for your soul. And, and keeping absorbed in the Psalms is, is a great experience. But, uh, but today is, is Psalm 23. Lord Jesus, let's just pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we bless you. And it's my prayer that as we get absorbed in Psalm 23 this morning, that you would meet us in the psalm. Jesus, that we'd see you. And actually you'd feed us this morning from the riches of this psalm, that we would be fed by you. That we come away from this morning filled to overflowing by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The shepherd in the Old Testament is an interesting character. David himself, who wrote this psalm, was a shepherd. Shepherds were people who looked after sheep, obviously. But uh, this was a time before fences before farms, really, and, and you just took your flock out into the wilderness, into the hills, and, and you found pasture for them, and you protected them, and you guided them, and, and you helped them find water. That was your job as a shepherd. You defended them against uh, lions and bears, and, and, and it wasn't like there was all these fences where you just popped the sheep into a paddock and wave goodbye until shearing. I'm sure it's not that simple. I know there are people in the room. But there's a sense of the shepherd being the carer of the sheep. It wasn't, wasn't just sort of some little job. that They were intimately involved. They knew those sheep by name. And when one was missing, they'd go hunting for them. Imagine what a shepherd like that is today. Someone who would guide us. Someone who would feed us. Someone who would counsel us. Someone who would look after us when we're in need. Can you imagine that kind of shepherd? And uh, we had a bit of a uh, throw around in our staff meeting this week. You know, what, what does it look like? You know, what would it be called? Would it be a, a counselor or a psychologist? You know, is it a guru? Is it an influencer? You know, who do we look to? Is it a parent, a grandparent? Is it YouTube? Who do we turn to when we need advice from life? And maybe our world is lacking shepherds, and so we turn to all kinds of people. But what David says here emphatically, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Do you, do you know who the Lord is? 
The Lord is the creator of heaven and earth. The Lord is the founder of everything you and I have. The, the Lord had the creative genius to come up with the solar systems, the galaxies, the planets, the systems, the earth. Like, and, and he not just had the creative ideas and the brilliance of mind to think up those things, but he had the power to put it into place. <laughs> just by the word of his mouth, let there be. And there were galaxies and solar systems and lights and asteroids and the universe, billions upon billions of stars. Scientists estimates that we can see about 200 billion stars. But who knows beyond that? We haven't even got out of that solar system. <laughs> it was hard enough landing on the moon. Oh, and the Lord, the creator of everything, is my shepherd, says David. The creator and sustainer of life on its macro scale, but also its micro scale, like, like tiny insects and, and, and beautiful little germs and, you know, the things that, that are we unseen, that are intimately designed, the bacteria that actually keep us all alive, the big and the small, the Lord is the creator of everything, and, and He is your shepherd. Not only is the Lord the creator and the power of the universe, the Lord is also the lover of the universe. It's one thing to create it's another thing to step down and love. It's one thing to show off your magnificence. I mean, kings and queens do this, right? But it's another thing to really care about your subjects. And that's what the Lord does. The Lord is my shepherd, not just the creator, but the lover of the universe. The one whose heartbeat actually created it for us, his people. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, isn't this wild? The Lord the one, I mean, who else would you rather trust? I mean, do you pay somebody to counsel you through life? That has its place. Or could the Lord be your shepherd, the one who actually understands everything? The Lord is my shepherd, says David. Not, not might be, not maybe one day, not has been in the past. He goes, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. Right now, I walk with God every day, says David. He's my shepherd. He's the one I ask counsel and guidance of. He's the one that protects me. He's the one that guides me. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He's the shepherd of my soul, says David. He's not just a shepherd for someone. No, no, I've, I've claimed him as my own. I've brought him in, as if you can. He's chosen me and I've chosen him. There's this curious relationship there but David says emphatically the Lord is my shepherd we, we could park on that as a meditation for the rest of the day the rest of the week in fact what a beautiful thing to meditate on the word as I've been encouraging you to do to pick a verse or a part of a verse and just play it over stuck record it starts to fuel your soul the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. <laughs> I won't be in any need, says some translation. He provides for my needs. He looks after me. What, what shepherd worth his salt doesn't care for his sheep? He won't be a shepherd for very long. Shepherds guide. Shepherds provide. They sustain. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing that I can't have that I need that the Lord doesn't give me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it goes on. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's how he provides. He makes me. (laughs) He forces me into times of rest. He blesses me with abundance of food. You know, if I was a sheep, I'd love grass. Green grass, good grass. Pasture-improved grass. And still waters, not not a raging torrent where you might sort of fall in and stumble, but not a, a calm place where a sheep can safely go and drink. You see the goodness of God here? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He gives me sustenance. He makes me. He gives me green grass. You see, if you have Christ, you have all things. Paul in Philippians 4 talks about the secret of being content. He's basically having Christ. He says, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry. You find that as you walk with Jesus, sometimes the things that we think we need, we don't need. Sometimes the things that we desire, they kind of fade away because the Lord is my shepherd. And if I have him, I'm confident that I have all things. It's the cure to anxiety. If interest rate rises, if rent rises, if inflation, if losing a job, the things that pressure us, I don't usually feel those pressures because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. I, I have a backstop. I have somebody who's got my back. And it gives me such freedom. I don't just spend all night worrying about the next payment for my mortgage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see? You have Christ. You have confidence that He will look after you and provide for you. What's interesting about the next bit is that when he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. It's clear that our souls need restoring. All of us have a fractured soul. It's our birthright. It's a product of Adam's little thing in the garden when he plunged the whole of humanity into brokenness. What happened was that God gave some directions and Adam said, I'm not going to follow them. I'm going to do it my way, says mankind. This is nice, God, but actually I know better. And so in that very act, he fractured the whole of society. We've preached on that before. But he also fractured the human heart. The soul is, is the center of our world. It's, it's our identity. Not, not the identity we try to create. Right? It's the identity that God's given us. Our world is very good at having an identity. You know, I'm this or I'm that or whatever. But actually God has given us an identity that's rich. We don't need to construct another identity. His identity is powerful and rich. But it's fractured. And you see that in life. You see it bubble out in all kinds of ways, in anger, resentment, jealousy, frustration. They, they all come from a fractured soul. Addictions. We try, we try to 
prop up our soul. We try to appease the pain, right? You don't have to think too long about yourself before you realize your brokenness. And the world tries to cover it up, but, but actually a soul needs restoring. No, no, no psychologist, no counselor, no doctor can actually really penetrate the human soul, but he restores my soul. I tell you, this is good news. He restores my soul. I, my soul is broken. My soul. Things have been said. Things have been done. You know, and some people, it's grievous. Like Things have been done to you that are terrible, that should never happen to you. And sometimes you've done things to your own soul that cause damage. But that doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. The Lord restores your soul. How good is that? He restores my soul. David says, he restores my soul. One of the greatest things that you can do is to restore, have this inside of you come alive. There was a second century Christian called Arenas. Uh, he lived in Lyon in France. He was the Bishop of Lyon, grand title. What's cool about this, in about sort of 180, 185 uh, AD, is that Arenas was actually a disciple of a guy called Polycarp. And that's not the Macquarie. Polycarp was a person. Polycarp was discipled by a guy called John in the Bible. How wild is that? Can you imagine your mentor was mentored by John, who was Jesus' best friend in the Bible? Like We're really close to the time of Christ. And Arenas... Bishop of Leon had all kinds of problems. He had heresies in the church, Gnosticism, people doing crazy things. He had the Roman, like, you know, 185, we're talking intense Roman history of persecution in the church. Uh, and then he was just trying to get the gospel out to a fledgling community. So don't think bishop, you know, big cathedral, think, think just a really tough context. His famous quote is this. The glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God, mankind, woman, us, fully alive. That's a picture of soul restoration. On the inside, why, why do we love kids, little kids, who haven't learned to hold all together? They laugh, don't they? And they cry and they tantrum. But they're, they're, there's something you can see a child's soul, it's, it's alive and we love that innocence and that affection and that raw beauty of a child. And then we just work on crushing it over time. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's a picture of life, of a restored soul. Is that There's something inside of us that's completely alive, fully alive on the inside. That's, that's a picture of life with a soul restored. The glory of God is man fully alive. God loves it when we're fully alive, fully restored, filled with joy, and the things that are in us. But once God is working on our soul, He starts leading us in right paths. It says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So God, God provides, He's our shepherd, and he, he provides the sustenance of life, food and water, and then, and then He starts working on our soul, and, and then He leads us down the right path. He starts to, to guide us properly. 
And, and you know, again, thinking of sheep, sheep can go all kinds of silly ways, right? They, they can get caught in bushes and prickles and thorns, or they can end up in pits and dams and stuff. But actually, it's like God is clearing a path for sheep to walk down. Right paths, good paths, paths that will bring life and peace and joy, paths that are in the Bible, paths that are in the Word of God. And he starts channeling us down these paths and leading us. And so you find that as your soul is restored, you find that you, you go down ways that you didn't want to go down before. You start taking actions that actually you never thought that you'd like to act. And, and you start stop some paths that may be damaging to your soul. I'm not going to go there again. I'm not going to watch that stuff again. I'm not going to actually be with that environment again. I'm, I'm going on a better path. That's what the shepherd does. He restores our soul and then starts guiding us in paths of righteousness. But the next bit is curious. It says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Hang on. Isn't life all good? Isn't life all kindness and love and peace and gentleness? What, what's this walking through valleys of shadow of death? I mean, no one here has ever experienced that, right? Anyone else been through anything that's not just lambs springing around on green grass? You know? Valley shadow? Uh, I think I'll leave that one alone, Lord. We'll just skip to the end. What's, what's this stuff going on? Well, I think this is the richest part of this psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. There's three things going on there. God is with us. Always. Always. Here's what I love about the gospel. See, see the gospel works in any context, anywhere. You, you don't need to be rich. You don't need to be Western. You don't need to be uh, any culture. You can be Asian or African. You, you could be any person. You could live in any political system. You could live in a communist regime. Or you could live in one of the freest societies on the planet. It, it, it doesn't matter where you live. The gospel works. You could be the poorest of the poor. In fact, sometimes it's the poor people who get the gospel much, much quicker than anyone who is wealthy. The reason is that it's not dependent on our wealth or our learning or our material possessions or anything. In the, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who persecute. It's like even if you are poor, you're blessed. Even if you're persecuted, you're blessed. It's like the gospel works even in the darkest of times, like our friend Arenas, or like Dietrich Bonhoeffer in a Nazi concentration camp, or any of these people that you read about who found life in the darkest of places. The stories are miraculous. The stories are incredible. But, but they manage to find God in, in places where you think there is no God here. Places where other people are walking around going, if there's a God, why does he save us? God's people are finding the riches of God 
in those places because our faith isn't dependent on our circumstances. It's dependent on Him, and God is with us, right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because what? Because you are with me. It doesn't matter what you've gone through right now. It doesn't matter what's ahead. No one can guarantee, you know, your future. Is it going to be chronic sickness? Is it, is it going to be unemployment? Is it going to be war? Our world is running around fear-mongering. The press loves that. But actually, we've got no room for fear. Because what? He's with us. How powerful is this? Even if you kill me, you cannot take me away from my faith. There is nothing that you can do to me to destroy my faith. Many people experience martyrdom. It's the most powerful thing on the planet, the gospel of Jesus. My encouragement, if you're walking through something dark right now, God is with you. You might be able to feel it, see it sometimes, but He's with you. It's a promise in Psalm 23. And it says, His rod and His staff comforts me. You heard that expression, you know, by hook or by crook. Is that just an old expression? My grandfather used to say that. By hook or by crook, I'll get there. It's, it's like, it's a hook or a crook. The rod and the staff, one's a bit of a tap on the backside. <laughs> And one's a bit of a tug, right? It's, it's, it's whatever uh, you need at the time. Sometimes Jesus gives a bit of a kick up the backside. Come on. Get your attitude right. And sometimes he gently leads us. But that's comforting because it shows that he's with us. And then this beautiful picture of abundance comes. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's your destiny. That's your future. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's called the wedding feast of Jesus. There's going to be a party, massive party, a phenomenal global party when Jesus comes back to make all things new. There's going to be a party, and you're invited. And Jesus is making this banquet feast, even in the presence of our enemies. Satan and all his crew will be looking on, chained up, while God's people enjoy the blessing of heaven. We're anointed. It means, it means blessed. It's an Old Testament picture of you know, oil that's poured over. What they used to do to the priests. They used to bless them and anoint them and separate them. And then my cup runneth over. It's like his and wine. It's, it's an abundance. His, his and dessert and make it big. You know, his some. It's lavished on us, says Paul in Ephesians one. It's, it's this abundant blessing that God gives us. That's the future, friends. I love this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. 
Where, where are you this morning in this psalm? Because what I love about the Word of God, and I've said a lot of words in this meditation, I believe that the Holy Spirit will just pick one of those things, one of those ideas, and He just wants to bless you with that. Maybe it's a, a practical, physical need that you have. Maybe you're walking through a tough time. Maybe your soul is fractured and you need restoring. Maybe, maybe you just can't wait to get to heaven and you just started seeing this picture. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where you're not even sure if the Lord's your shepherd yet. But you're going, I, I need that. I need, I need a proper shepherd in my life. I need, I need somebody to guide me and lead me. Where, where are you this morning? What, what part of that psalm is Jesus immersing you in so that he can feed you? Remember the psalms are soul food. They're, they're to enrich us and give us life and blessing. But it's not just, this is not ideas. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, directing life to you. Before we finish, just a few ideas. It's one thing to enjoy the blessing of the Psalms. It's one thing to be filled, oh, my cup runs over, I'm blessed, I'm filled, the Lord is my shepherd, how awesome is life. Well, that's good for you. What about the person who lives opposite you? What about your workmate who's going through stuff? What about the people in your world? What about the people in the city whom that is not a reality. I started thinking, how are they going to know what Jesus looks like? How are most people in this city who are obsessed with sport and work and buying a house and trying to do life, how are they going to cope? How are they going to see who Jesus is? And I started thinking about this psalm, and I, with apologies to King David, I rewrote it. And it's a psalm of our church. That our church's role, it's like the cross, the center beam is our relationship with God, and it's beautiful, but, but there's another tangent. It's horizontal. How do we get this incredible message out sideways? Here's, here's my rewrite. Psalm 23. The church is my shepherd. The people of God help me not to have any wants. That's them, the folk at C3 Church Bathurst, who show me what God looks like. Imagine that. People in your community go, I don't know what Jesus looks like, but, but Colin, man, I, I reckon there's something in this guy. <laughs> I reckon there's something that's just different. And church is my shepherd. They help me to know what God looks like. They help me to rest. It's like lying down in green grass beside pools of water. They, they lead me into good places. The church models soul restoration. They help me come alive on the inside. They lead me down good paths. They make life work and honor God's name. Things are starting to change. Can you picture people around you looking at your life going, man, I, there's something 
in that just restoration and the life that comes out of him that I want. I wonder where they get that from. Though there are times when I feel I'm walking through a dark valley, I will not be afraid, for they are with me. The church doesn't abandon people in tough times. The church doesn't leave people to their own devices when they make mistakes. The church is there with them, even in the valley, especially in the valley. For they are with me. They're guiding words of comfort and occasional correction bring great encouragement. They even prepare a banquet table for me in the presence of my enemies, physical and spiritual, and they pour abundant blessing over me. They're so big-hearted that they provide a meal and, and they put on blessing and they bring me into their world. <laughs> Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell with them in the house of the Lord forever. Can you imagine acting out Psalm 23 in front of everybody else? Can you imagine now being the shepherd, not just being shepherded? Can you imagine grabbing all the things that you've been blessed by through being shepherded and then having those same things, walking through life with people around you? I reckon that'd be pretty cool. I reckon that's the great challenge for our church. How do we bless our community? How do we work to the betterment of our people? You know, in finishing, I'd actually like us to stand up and say this psalm together like a declaration. And before we do that, I'll ask the musos to come up. And, and this declaration, it's like together. Something about doing this together. That, that we are the people of God, that we are the sheep of God. And that, and that together, we can walk through life together. Not, not alone, disconnected, but together. And after we've just declared that together, there's communion down the front. A participation in the communion is like receiving all this stuff that we've just talked about in Psalm 23. Receiving it with a promise to give it out. Because Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If, if, if you love me, you'll serve. It's, just like, it's like drinking in Christ, that then Christ can flow out of you to a needy world. It's like, it's like drinking to good health and good life flowing out. But you're actually taking on the bread, the body of Christ, and the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sin, and His restoration for our brokenness. And, and as you take that on, you will find the shepherd of Jesus inside of you, ready for you to be the shepherd. And if you're here this morning and, and you've not really prayed this before, but maybe this is the first time where you declare, the Lord is my shepherd. Make that a declaration that you want this. You want the Lord as your shepherd. And, and maybe as you come down the front to have communion, maybe just duck over the side where I'll be. And I'd love to pray for you. If, if this is kind of your first time going, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I want the Lord to be my shepherd. Or maybe you, you're coming back to that point where you need God to be your shepherd again. And 
you kind of left him. But today you're feeling him calling you back. He says, I want to look after you. I want you back in my fold. I know you by name. And I want you to hear my voice. So we're going to stand in a sec, declare this together, and then we'll spend some time while the guys sing and grab communion, take it back, receive Jesus, and then pledge to give Him out. And if this is your first time of declaring the Lord as my shepherd, I'm going to be there to pray for you. All right? Let's stand. Let's grab the words on the screen. Thanks, Naomi. Let's declare this together. Let's just boldly speak it out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we bless you. Come and fill us, restore us and guide us in Jesus' name.